Um, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How y'all doing this morning? For those of y'all who don't know me, I am Dwayne Polk. I used to be um, full-time here on Woodland Hill staff, but I am a full-time member. This is my home. This is my family. I love you guys, so I'm always glad to be here. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to jump right into a scripture, then we're going to get into a word. This is a message that has been um, permeating my spirit for a while now. Um, there's a lot of me in this message, and I pray that, that something can be said for us as a body to move us more to the goal, and that's just basically to be conformed to the image of Christ. So let's pray. Father, this whole thing is about glorification to you. We thank you. We bless you. And right now, Father, as we've gone through worship and as we have worshiped with our offering, Lord God, now we're to the word. I pray that you would just empty me, that there's nothing of me, all the things I've been thinking about this week, all the things I've been thinking about today, is you just empty those things and just fill me with yourself. Speak to your body, Lord God. Speak to us. Change us. Mold us. We want to be different. We believe that we have a word that will teach us about your love and what we can do in your love. We are after your heart, and we know that you love us. So, Father, during these next few minutes, I pray that as we talk together, that your Holy Spirit will continue to work and shape and move. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, 1 John 4. 1 John 4, starting at verse 16b. 1 John 4, starting at verse 16b. Huh? You know what? <laughs> I figured Greg is going to do Luke. I think we'll give it a little break today, okay? <laughs> There's plenty of good stuff in 1 John anyway. 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 16b. Let's start. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. This is how we know. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Again, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. If I had to title this, and I guess I do have to title this, I guess that I would title this Daredevil of Love. I ought to say it in a little deep voice, daredevil of love. <laughs> Sounds like a Harlequin romance, I know. But <laughs> we'll show how this ties in later on. I am a person who's always been kind of a bookworm. I have always had my nose in books, and one, book that, one set of books that I've always loved are comic books. Comic books and graphic novels. I think my dad got me hooked onto it. I've been reading as long as I can remember. And I used to love to imagine how to have different powers, you know. You know, you freeze the ground or you fly in the air or change stuff or teleport. I used to like fantasizing about that kind of stuff all the time. Now, there was one particular superhero that I liked. And I liked him not necessarily because of what he had, but because of what he didn't have but what he didn't have. So, one of my favorite comic book characters, even to this day, is this guy. Daredevil, the man without fear. There was a movie out about this, but I'm not gonna recommend that one. Uh, <laughs> 
So let me just tell you a little bit about this guy. He was a normal kid. He was the son of a boxer, wanted to aspire to be a boxer, kind of like his dad. Um, a truck with chemicals is driving. He saves this person's life, but as he does so, the chemicals burst and get on him, and it takes away his sight. He is completely blind. And so for a while, he's struggling. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm blind. And the father's kind of sad. He wanted the son to be a boxer and everything. So there's a lot of despair at this time. But over time, over this month, he discovers that he has different powers. That he's able to, even though he's blind, his hearing and his sense of taste and his sense of touch, everything has gone like to an off-the-lever meter. So basically, even though he can't see with his eyes, he can use his senses and see different things. And so he trained himself physically to be like an Olympic-style gymnast, and what he decided to do is get some white tights, uh, red tights. I don't know why he got red tights. I wouldn't get red tights, but that's what he did. So anyway, he got red tights, got this billy club thing, and he would literally like swing and jump off of roofs like nothing's business. Like he would just stand on these, these wires, electric wires, and people would be like, how in the world is he doing that? And he actually came to get a turn from his enemies, the man without fear. And the reason that he didn't have any fear is because where some people would be like, oh, I don't know if I can make that, he basically threw his senses was able to see exactly where to jump, exactly where to go, so he could move in confidence and move without fear because he had that second sight. Even though he didn't have sight, he didn't have fear as well. And to me, daredevil demonstrates a true daredevil. He's fearless. He's not reckless like somebody that's acting out of counterphobia. Let me show you what counterphobia is. It's like whenever you have a guy that's like five foot two, trying to go up against a guy that's like six foot nine. And he's like, man, I'll whoop you. I'll beat you up right now. Stop looking down at me. That's counterphobia. When you may be really afraid and you try to put up this air that you're not afraid, it doesn't work very well. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not talking about that kind of counterphobia. I'm talking about genuine courage. See, because of his second sight, he was able to see things that other people couldn't see, so he's able to kind of jump and do things that other people wouldn't do without fear. And he, led his, he let his instincts and his power guide him. So what does Daredevil have to do with anything? What does it have to do with church? What does it have to do with Jesus? What does it have to do with William? What does it have to do with anything? Well, here's the thing. Sometimes when I think about Daredevil, who is one of my favorite characters, I think about how much of the opposite I am when I look in my own life going day to day, over and against Daredevil's absolute fearlessness, I mean, willing to take on anybody under any circumstances, I think that when I look in my life and honestly, and I look at the society around us, I think that very few of us live Daredevil lives. Now, don't get me wrong, there are people like firefighters and policemen and stay-at-home mothers <laughs> that do life-threatening things. I'm <laughs> So don't get me wrong, there are very courageous people, but I believe that as we look at our lives, in some areas we will see some corner or some type of area where fear shows up and manifests in our life. One place that that fear can manifest in our lives would be surprise, surprise, a feeling of need that we might have. Now, of course, we all have needs, but sometimes need can take on a different dimension whenever you feel like everything's against you and we don't know where the next meal is coming from and there's kind of this sense of scarcity. And so what can happen is over time, 
dealing with the fears and dealing with things that could be and things that might happen and all those things, we find ourselves in a fearful place where our feelings of need may turn into feelings of greed. I know that rhymed. I really didn't intend that. That just happened. But it, but it really is that way. It turns from need to a sense of greed. Greed is basically occurs, the dictionary definition, greed basically occurs when there is excessive or rapacious desire. Ooh, rapacious. Basically, that means it's all-consuming. It's just all this consuming desire. And it doesn't just deal with money, not at all. It can deal with power. It can deal with emotional presence. It can deal with all kinds of different things like that. Basically, what we're talking about is when we begin making ourselves or who we value or our concerns about prosperity central to our lives. That's what happens whenever greed manifests itself. Now, let me clear something up. Greed does not necessarily have to be when you're very affluent, you have a lot of something, and you just want more and more of it. Um, I got an example, kind of like this guy. Everybody remember this guy? DuckTales, woo! All right. Man, I used to love me some Screws Me Duck. I mean, he would get, you know, he would put on his little swimsuit and swim in the money and backstroking the money. I'm like, I want a money bid. <laughs> but I mean, what we can all see is that he was kind of a glutton. I mean, he had money to spare and he swam in it and did all of these different things. That is a form of greed, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a greed or a concern with personal wealth of a different sort. It can be more like a hoarding sensibility. It can feel like we're unprotected in the world. We have to fight for everything we get, and we have to fight to keep it. And we don't know where our next thing is coming from, so we always have this kind of side feeling of mistrust. Let me give you a good example, biblical story. Um, Exodus 16, the people of God have been delivered with a mighty strong hand from Egypt. Okay, plagues, miracles, everything, boom, they're out. And just like all children, they end up saying, we hungry. <laughs> Give us some food. We out here in this desert. Give us some food. So the Lord in his infinite mercy and wisdom rains down food from heaven called manna. What is it? It's food from heaven. And all he gives is some simple requests. <laughs> and the simple request is, okay, now what I want you to do is I only want you to pick up just what you need for that day. Now, the only, the, the only time that you pick up more than that is when it's right before the Sabbath. But every other day, I want you to get just the amount of manna that you're going to need for that day. And I believe in God's infinite wisdom, what he was trying to do is get the Israelites to rely on him day by day for their sustenance, day by day, looking to him in faith for what was going to come to them. Ha. <laughs> simple. Simple. I'm going to kind of act out what I think happened, okay? They're up here picking it up. Hey, you see the Petersons over there? I think they're picking up a little bit more than we are. And they know something we don't know? Well, I, you know, God, well, God said, well, no, I don't know, baby. Look, let's just get a little extra. Just get a little extra. <laughs> so there is a number of people that decide to get a little extra. And they decide that they are just, you know, because they don't know if it's going to come tomorrow. They don't know what's going to happen. So they take it and they keep it. And the Bible says something interesting happens to the manna. Does anybody know what happens? It rots and it turns to worms, nasty, stinking, festering worms. And I wonder if God was trying to give them an example of exactly the insidiousness of that kind of greed. 
but in very stark terms. See, that's the kind of greed that I'm talking about that, you know, well, look, we out in the wilderness, we don't have enough, and we don't know if we have enough to go around, so, and we don't know if God's going to provide the next time, so, and the thing is that people that think this way, they think that they're living freely. They think that they're actually building a foundation that they'll be able to work from, but they don't understand that they are actually trapped. They're trapped in fear, they're trapped in projections, and they're trapped in things that keep them away from moving in the freedom of God. And don't get me wrong, in hard times, it's kind of easy to think this way. I listen to Minnesota Public Radio a lot, especially the 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock hour. And during that show, they have a show called Marketplace. In Marketplace, they talk about the stock market, they talk about the economic issues of our country and the world. And, um, excuse me, if you've been listening for the last couple of months, things have not been very peppy. As a matter of fact, on one segment, they talked about the um, foreclosure crisis, the homeowners crisis. Do you know that there's going to be three million homeowners that are affected by this thing by year's end? Just in these past couple of months, we've had jobs lost left and right. Different things with health care, different things with homelessness. All of these situations just swim around when you just listen to news, when you just look out on your television, look out the TV. And in the midst of all of these very concerning, if not fear-inducing things, I personally have been hearing this crazy voice. And I want to introduce you to my psychosis. So if you would close your eyes, <laughs> this is the crazy voice that I think I keep hearing. And tell me what you think about this. Because I'm riding along and I'm hearing this stuff on the radio. And I start worrying about the house and I start worrying about the bills. And then this voice comes and says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you eat, how you're going to put gas in the car. What you worried about all that for? Isn't life more than gas? Isn't life more than food? Isn't life more than your job? Consider those birds flying by right now. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a job. They don't have a suit. They don't have a car. But yet God feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are, man? You worry about this stuff. You can't change a single thing by worrying. Why do you worry about the rest of it then? Now open your eyes. Isn't that the craziest voice you've ever heard? <laughs> but seriously, when you think, I know me, when you think about how much need and how many responsibilities you have, sometimes a voice that says, take no thought for your life, don't worry about these things, can sound a little insane. It can sound a little impractical. It doesn't work. When I was young, I used to be what I thought was frugal. And what now I understand is maybe it was on the stingy side, okay? <laughs> My sister, I love her to death. Her name is DeWaze. She would say this as I would get money and I'd try to save it up and, you know, I had plans I was going to do with it. She's like, Bubba, let me tell you something. Let the nickel breathe. Let, let, give it air. Just, just let it go and let it breathe. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I got money. I'm not worried about what you say. <laughs> Let the nickel breathe. <laughs> but as I've grown up, I can admit that I have had that tendency. And I can also admit how the dangers of that tendency can apply to different areas. One area that the Holy Spirit has been really working with me on is sometimes the fear-based greed can extend to emotional relationships. Maybe sometimes you've been pouring out all day, you've been talking to people, you've been doing all kinds of things, and when you get home, all you want to do is veg out. 
but then your spouse is there or your family is there or somebody that God has put into your life that you know that you need to pour out to. And the first thing that you might think is there's not enough me to go around. There's not enough. I can't listen to you right now. I can't talk to you right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about having healthy boundaries. That's a good thing. But I'm talking about whenever you fear so much of what's going to happen that you don't even want to get involved in the situation. I don't want to know what you're dealing with. And what we can do and what I have done is we can hoard ourselves emotionally, pull ourselves away from community, pull ourselves away from certain things that we actually need. And that leads to the breaking and the destruction of relationships, which I think is actually worse than the money thing. And when we look around, I see that we see a culture that is imbibed in this kind of fear-based greed. What's in it for me? How can I maintain all the resources that I have in my little frame, in my little world? Hmm. So at this point, Let's talk about, okay, we've talked about a little bit the problem. Like, okay, the fear-based greed does exist. It has multiple forms. What can we do about it? We're going back to our main text, 1 John 4. 1 John 4. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In other words, this is how we know. This is how we know that the completion of love is taking place in us, that we can have confidence this. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, I know what you're probably saying. Wait a second, Dwayne. This has to deal with the day of judgment, not necessarily greed. This has to deal with people that are clothed with Christ. They are no longer under the wrath of God. So what, what are you doing here? Well, if you stay with me a minute, I'll let you know. <laughs> As I see this passage, it seems like the main concern to me is having complete confidence in our positive relationship to God. And we know that because of how we love, how we do it, how much we do it. See, the word used for perfect here does not necessarily mean immaculate or without any flaw or anything like that. The word means completion, brought to fulfillment, brought to entirety or accomplishment. This is when you don't just love in word, but you love for real, for real. You actually do it. You actually accomplish it. And it, has, it brings fulfillment. One's love to God is brought to fulfillment through living it out in loving action. And as we live it out in loving action and we see God working through us, and we see the abundance of God all around us, we begin to lose fear about things. And when we begin to lose fear about things, then we become like Jesus. See, Jesus' love for the Father and his love for the things of God was so intense that through that he conquered all fears that he had, the fear of death, the fear of abandonment, the fear of betrayal. How else could Jesus do all the things that he did? Because of the love of God. Check this out, y'all. He is in a boat with experienced fishermen, and the storm is so bad that they're scared. These are experienced fishermen, and they're like, Master, don't you care that we perish? What's he doing? He's sleeping. That's like, that's like if a hurricane was hitting and all of us are freaking out and somebody was just chilling. <laughs> chilling. But think about it. That's not necessarily the counterphobia, the pushing death away and not looking at it. No, it's just a reality that God knew about his father and he lived in that to the point where he could have that kind of peace in that kind of situation. Now talk about trust of the father. Talk about trust of God. 
And when you look at his life, he did not hoard himself. He did not hoard anything about himself. Yes, he had to go away to the mountains to spend some time with his father, and that was wonderful. But after that, during, actually for that, he would actually go out and just distribute his virtue, distribute his love, distribute his mercy, distribute even his healings. He was the exact opposite of what it would be like to be a hoarder, to be like a Scrooge. So in my mind, it's, this is like one of those things, if we get this, then we kind of get everything else. In other words, if we perfect our love for God, if we open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit to allow that work to happen, then we will see the power and love of God more clearly in our lives, in other people's lives, and we will begin to have less tendency, I believe, less tendency of falling into fear in every area in our life, including the fear-based greed what deals with monetary or whether it deals with emotions or whatever. And then we are freed with what we were meant to do, to stand boldly before the throne of grace and boldly proclaim the love of God to a sin-sick world. This is what we we're put here for. This is what God has created this church to do, to boldly accomplish God's will at his leading without fear. We are meant to be daredevils for love. We are meant to. Like daredevil would sometimes do these things and people would just look at him like, how does he do that? Because supposedly no human being should be able to do that without fear. Maybe we could be encouraged and maybe we will have the experience where we love so fearlessly and we love so just frivolously. We just give and give and people are like, how do they do that? How do they keep loving when these people keep betraying them? How do they keep loving when these people stab them in the back? How do they give when they don't even have to give? Fearlessness. Fearlessness. So what would it look like to be a godly daredevil? And it's not just standing on wires, so if any of y'all go out there trying some jackass stuff, you didn't hear from me, okay? I did not say that about that. That's not the Lord. I did not say that about being a daredevil, all right? But let's talk about what it is, all right? Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Focus on this part. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to go back to that part. Do not be anxious about anything, comma, but... In every situation, all situations, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God, and then the peace of God will guard your minds and hearts. We keep our love for God growing and developing as we focus on God centrally in everything, and we bring everything to him with prayer and thanksgiving. That includes our fears and anxieties. See, the more that we focus on God, even in our tribulations, the more that we understand that he is the ultimate reality. And the more that we see our problems in the context of him being that ultimate reality. So then when we understand that God loves us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God and that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, pretty soon we start having peace. We start believing that the power that sustains everything dwells in us and gives us the power to love 
under the hardest circumstances. We believe that and it gives us peace and assurance. See, sometimes like the children of Israel in Exodus 16, we're living off the graces of God. We're living off the bountiful blessings of God. And even in the midst of that, we can still feel like we don't have enough. We still got to get while the getting's good. Yeah, God has given us this. But we don't know how long it's going to last. So... And that's what happens to us. And what we don't understand is that is an implicit lack of trust in God. See, I like the porcupine dance thing that Annie talked about. And that is a very dangerous, painful dance. You have to remain vulnerable to do it. But guess what? If we stay in our fear-based greed of ourselves, we don't want to enter into those kinds of things where you can have discord and where you can have conflicts and where you can have differences of opinion that could be really heated. And we want to just kind of pull ourselves away from that. To hoard ourselves, to hoard more emotional time, more, hey, I got to go to work. I can't spend no time with sister so-and-so. I ain't got that. I can't give the brother so-and-so right now. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of that. Those kinds of things. If we maintain our focus on God, and in maintaining our focus, I mean facing our fears, getting them out there. If you fear losing something, give it over to God, whatever it might be. It might be a relationship. It might be a physical thing. It might be an emotional thing. Whatever that fear is, if you give it to God and honest about it to him and you seek his face in all things, then you will find yourselves free of that fear. Once you talk about it and get it out and give it to God, you won't believe how much freedom that you might have from that. And the power to act fearlessly, it looks like this. Where somebody else can't forgive 70 times seven, the spirit in you allows you to do so. Whenever that person that just told you they loved you stole $300 from you, it gives you that unconditional love to speak to them in truth and in grace. When, it, when you have to give self-sacrificially until it hurts and you can say, praise you Jesus along the way, that is fearlessness. Why? Because we were created. We were made to walk in freedom and not fear. We were made for this. Now, this is not to say go right now and give up everything you have and you'll be perfect in love. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when we trust God with every action, we trust God with everything that we are, every thought, every feeling, we can be assured that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us just like Jesus. And if we have the love for the Father that Jesus had, that that grace that allowed him to bear the cross and bear the shame and bear all the pain would live in us as well. See, when it comes down to this, y'all, this is about faith, hope, and love. This is really about faith, hope, and love in God. And it really doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't have. See, this, this causes all classes, all people groups, because this kind of fear-based greed, it permeates and it kills the church. And let me tell you something. Just consider this. The world, and what I mean by the world, I mean just normal American society, will not be a corrective for the church on this. Because... To, to a lot of them, it is a natural, rational function to try to have this hoarding mentality. It's like, well, you know, we are in a recession. We don't know if we're going into a depression. So you might want to hold on to what you got. No, you might not want to give to that ministry. No, you might not want to spend as much time working because you don't have the gas to get there. If we do not rely on our own self-reflection given by the Holy Spirit, by our head who is Christ, if we do not keep self-checking, we can find ourselves just easily rationalizing and falling into that way of life where the main thing is the, the maximization of our personal wealth and comfort. 
unconditionally expanding that. I have a descriptive picture of what I think this feels like because I have been mired in this. This is a picture that I found. Um, this is a picture, a 1909 painting done by Evelyn de Morgan, and it's called The Worship of Mammon. Now, I don't think, I just say for myself, I, I don't think anybody in here actually worships to a money god and is like, you know, holding the money god's leg like that or anything. But I feel like if maybe we look at the paradigms by which we think, if we look symbolically at how we live, if maybe we don't see some amount of dedication, if we don't see some amount of dependency that we have on worldly things like that. I mean, even though I haven't done anything like that, I haven't um, bent my knee to a statue, I have sometimes felt like this, oh, paycheck, come please, tax refund, you are my salvation. <laughs> and it is funny, but if you don't watch it, pretty soon the gift can mean more than the giver of the gift. The Father is the giver of all perfect gifts, and if we don't watch it, we can end up being just like that picture was unintentionally. And then it spreads and it destroys the church and it destroys our relationships in the church. And unfortunately, that's been my heart's picture more far, far more than I'd like to admit. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. God did not mean for us to be like this. God did not mean for us to be timid people who are dependent on worldly things. God did not mean for us to be fearful people that would just conform themselves to the world. We are supposed to be nonconformist. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound, disciplined mind. God wants us to be free of every hindrance and every fear and every form of greed. Not free in some kind of self-deceived, ignorant, counterphobic kind of way, but truly seeing, just like daredevil, seeing things as they are. We don't just see the economy. We don't just see the loss of jobs. We see God sustaining everything as we even breathe to talk about it. And because we know that the God of love sustains all things, that is our hope and that is our trust. And in that, we can walk and have no fear. Not just fear for the, the coming judgment, but no fear in this life. When you're going to your job, when you're going to school, when you're going to the movies, when you're going to the mall, no fear. When somebody threatens to cut you off on the highway, no fear that a, a cuss word by accident. That is a fear. We have to come to grips with this because things in America sometimes look pretty grim, and if we don't watch it, we can easily, very, very easily fall into variations of fear-based greed. Let's wrap up with these points. The first thing that I want us to understand as we wrap up, we are meant to be free from fear and complete in love. Jesus is our paradigm. When we look at how we're supposed to act, we look at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see his freedom from fear. We see how he was able to boldly stand up against the religious leaders and boldly identify with the people that nobody wanted to identify with. That is freedom in fear, freedom from fear. And complete in love, how he would actually do these acts for the leper and he would do these acts for the sinner prostitute. He would do these things. It wasn't just for Jesus. It was for everybody that believes in Jesus' name. Every one of us were meant to do this. Every one of us were meant to liberate people from their bondages. And we can't do that if we're so fear-based, stuck on ourselves. 
We have to be complete in lust. We're meant to do that. The second thing, and this is pretty important, allow the Holy Spirit to drive out, drive out our fears and anxieties and prepare to do serious repentance. Okay, whenever you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, shine that light in my soul and show me some of these fears and anxieties. We have to be prepared that there might be some things that we didn't want to look at when we see those fears. God will show you a fear or an anxiety, and you'll be like, oh, man, I didn't even know that was there. And then maybe he'll show you some of the things you've done out of that fear and anxiety. Oh, I didn't know I treated that way, that person that way out of the fear. I didn't know I was stingy with that money. I cussed that person out. Like, you'll start seeing. God will start revealing those little things and maybe some of those bigger things that you've done. And what I want you to understand this is God is not a condemner. He is a liberator. He is faithful and just to forgive. It is just a matter of whenever he brings it up to you, just repent. Say, Lord, I didn't know this was here. I did know this was here. I was hiding it. Please take it away. Please help me. I want to change. That's, what I, that's all I mean by serious repentance. Because there are a lot of fears and anxieties in the crevices of our hearts that we know not of that the Holy Spirit knows and wants to deal with those things lovingly, not con in a condemning way. So allow the Holy Spirit to drive out our fears and anxieties and be prepared to do serious repentance. The third thing, through working out our love in God's power, we gain peace and courage in the world. This is the thing. Sometimes God will revere those fears or anxieties to you and show you things that you've done. And you're like, Lord, I want to change. And then he will give you an opportunity to do it. He will give you an opportunity to step out on faith. And it is at that time that you have to trust that the love of God's power in you can work that out with fear and trembling. And as you do that, you know what you're going to find? It's like you're taking a step and it looks like nothing's there. And you take a step and all of a sudden a platform falls like, whoa. Another platform. And then you start walking. You start walking by faith. And then you get peace and courage because you know that God is always with you. And there is nothing more peace-giving than that. You want, you, I mean, let me tell you something. Something that is much more impressive to me than daredevil flying from rooftop to rooftop is seeing somebody that has absolutely no reason to love in the natural, but they do it anyway because they love Christ. That is a superhero. That is a daredevil. That is a person that God wants to be bold for his kingdom. As we allow God by his spirit, we have to face all of our fears. I want to show you this last picture. I like this picture a lot. I'm not brave enough to do that yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> but anyway, if you look at his position, I can just imagine standing on that rock. You have to make the decision, am I going to jump or am I? You have to look at all your fears. He had to face his fears. What if he was fear, fearful of the water or fearful of jumping? All of those fears would have to be faced before he could jump into the fullness that is that water. And I think whenever I look at that, I think about the fullness of God. Giving up all the fears, giving up all the naysaying, all of that stuff, and just diving in. And I believe that God has given every one of us the chance to dive in him. We all have access to God by Jesus. We all can dive into him away from our fear, away from our anxiety, away from our greed, away from our dysfunctional need. We can dive away from that into God and be free of it. 
Again, not like a counterphobia type thing, but because we see things as they are. We see God in everything, and we know that God is supporting and will support us as we try to bring forth his kingdom. Doing superhuman, and I'll call it that, superhuman acts of love by God's spirit. Such that when people look at you, they're like, how in the world are you doing that? And you ain't got nothing to say, nothing but it's not I, it's Christ that lives in me. No other explanation needed. I want to take something away from this. We're going to pray here in a second. But wherever you're going, whatever you're doing this day, I'd like you to take some time, either if it's by yourself or with a group, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the fears and anxieties to you. Sometimes you might want to get alone. You might want to be with people. That's fine. However God leads you to do it. But take the time to just put yourself before the Holy Spirit and just bear yourself and say, God, show me where I'm fearing. And again, you might see some stuff that you really didn't want to see. But ask about those will we eat questions. Ask about what, those will we, what will we wear. What, how will we get gas. How will we get this. All of those fears and anxieties, put those before God and let him reveal yourself to you as you pray to him about that. Again, we are a body of spirit-empowered people that are meant to carry God's world, God's love to the world as the world, ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we are meant to carry it to St. Paul and the world and the world as we, uh. Take all that out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We are meant to be a people of love that share the love of God all over the place, wherever we are. That's what we're meant for. We are not meant to be cowards. We're not meant to be Scrooge McDucks. We're not meant to be just cowering and saying, I don't want people to bother me. We are meant to just be like lights, children of lights that shine in the dark. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you that you're planting things in us for us to be those daredevils of love. Having no fear of people, having no fear of job loss, having no fear of money issues. Yes, we're aware of those things, but we don't fear anymore. We won't fear because we give you everything and we, we trust you in everything. Father, I pray that as we ask you today, this very day, maybe some of the things that we fear about, I pray that you would, by your spirit, reveal, reveal those things that have been concealed from us because we want to love as you love. We want to pray as you pray, Jesus. We want to walk as you walked without fear, completely trusting in the Father, but we need your help to do that. So Holy Spirit, throw the covers off. Throw the covers off and give us new ways of thinking, new ways of seeing, and new ways of living. We live and we die by your grace. We live and we die by your word and for your purposes. And I pray that as a result of this word, Lord, we as your body, we are not the same. We won't be the same. We will walk out of here making definite, definite different choices to be daredevils for you. Thank you for this word, and thank you for the reception of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If we could have the prayer team come up. If we'd have the prayer team come up. If you would like to have some prayer, maybe you've been seeing how you've been having some fears already. God has already been working with you, that, with you on that. If you want to pray about that, please come forward. Um, live in the rapturous, daredevil love of God. It's in you. It's put in you by the Spirit. It's meant for you to share. Go live in it, be in it, serve God.